This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Every time they win, you owe me a Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We the North are now we the champions. The Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. They want the wheel round. Jace Kinnaman down the near sideline. Can he track it down? Yes! Jace Kinnaman is a 10. Five touchdown Bullpup. Everything happening in the sports world. Here comes McCready. Oh, he just sucked the gravity right out of the building. What a play by T-Man. And even some things not happening in the sports world. So are you not a fan of, of your athletes on your teams going on The Bachelor or Bachelorette? I don't care. I don't watch it. I don't care. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, I heard you trying to relinquish that title last night. Good afternoon, by the way. Good afternoon. I heard you trying to give up that title and pass it on, but just so you know, it doesn't work that way. Well, I think if a poll were taken, the pe- the, 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 pe- the people are in charge, and they keep me informed all the time. I get a poll once a week. Is that right? That says, "Hey, Steve, still the most popular." Well, the pistol told me he's been blowing up, so I relinquished my title. It you what, were trying, but no, 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 no. That's not going to well, work. Well, I I think he probably feels he's taken over. He's he's blowing up. It's you, Steve. Yeah. All right, it's you. I, I don't ever believe that, but if you want to keep saying that, go ahead. Did you get to watch the Home Run Derby last night? I did not. Well, I'm surprised you didn't tape it and go back and watch it last night. Well, it was on MLB. I watched a little bit of it over noon. MLB had some of Vladdy Guerrero Jr. hit some bombs. You were dissing on Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I because, you know, if you look at his record, his, his brief record. in well, Yeah, he's been up for like a month. No, but I mean in the minors, a couple of years of the minors. Yeah, he's 20 years old. But he was he was more of a line drive hitter. Well, he hit some bombs last night. He hit 91 bombs, by the way. That had to be exhausting. I'm, I'm surprised he's even able to move today. It'd be like if you went out to the golf course and somebody just kept putting the ball on the tee for you. And they said, all right, you need to hit 91 balls to the back of the driving range. Go. Well, I once. I don't know if you could do it. I once played 100 holes in one day. Really? As a fundraiser, yes. That's a lot of golf. It was a lot of golf. That was about 25 years ago, though. But I remember asking you and saying, all right, Steve, do you have an interest in this? Do you care? Are you indifferent? And I think you said indifferent. Do you still feel that way about the home run derby? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the dunk contest. I think once you've seen a few of them, it gets kind of repetitive. I mean, I know they're going to hit bombs and you ooh and ah, but to me, it's just kind of the same thing every year. It's nice to see some new blood in there, but uh, it's not anything that moves my needle very much. Okay, that's a good enough answer but for I, me. But I did pick the winner. Okay. I had the right guy. You did pick Pete Alonzo. I did, because he is a beast. He's a big old burly boy. He, <laughs> he he can hit it a ton. He's kind of like the Selco Slam, Jake Selco. He's 
really put together. A big old burly boy. Yeah. But other than that, that's what you did last night. Is, is well, you I kept, went to the pipeliners. You watched the pipeliners, didn't get to keep up with the home run derby. No, because, you know, I don't do Twitter. I don't have... You what know, about The Bachelor? What about it? Did you watch last night? It's hometowns. If I if I watch The Bachelor, that'll be the first time I watch it. The next I, time. I, I think you need to check it out, no, Steve. No, that's, that's a waste. That's an hour of my life. I can't get Two back. hours. Do you Two under, hours do, of my life. Do you understand the concept of the hometowns, what they do? I don't know. I don't. Well, with the hometowns, it is where you know you have the one woman who is the bachelorette, and then there are four other contestants. And once you get down to the final four, she goes to meet the other contestants' families at the hometowns. They, it would be like if you were on the show, you would bring the nice woman here to McPherson, and maybe you'd go bring your sister in, and she'd she'd come meet the family as well. You get to interact with them. They usually go on a on a cute date in the hometown because you oh, know boy. the you know the spots. Oh. I think you would take her to Turkey Creek and say, "Let's go play 18. This is what I do every day." <laughs> or take her to a Pipeliners game. It seems like they play at home every. Take her to the night. Roundhouse. Yeah. I think you could have done that. Yeah, Italian restaurant. And, and then you get to go have a meal with the family. Would you invite me? I don't think so. Would you say, okay, I here's my sister. You know, she's great and all, but here's Jim. He can come hang out. I don't, I don't think so. I think you should invite me. I, don't I would invite you. It doesn't matter because I don't watch the show. I, I would invite care. you. Well, that's that's nice. I got a free meal out of the deal. I bet you get a free meal. <laughs> well, they might. you might have to tip or something. Oh, yeah. If you could dine on ABC's Dime. Yeah. That sounds kind of nice. Okay. Steve, the big news yesterday, we don't get that much big news at big. this time of the year. Of course, we want to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team, Steve's favorite team. I've got another thing I want to talk to you about at the very end of the show. But the big news yesterday, something I know that you were very excited about, and that was that the McPherson I girls basketball team made an addition to the program. Now, they did not bring in a transfer, no. although I think they would be pretty excited if this person was going to be playing for them. Oh, this yeah, year. I think so. I, I think Coach Strathman would be very excited, but they had an opening on the coaching staff, which for both McPherson High programs is pretty rare. It doesn't happen very often. There have not been very many openings as Coach Reith, who had been with the program for 13 or 14 years with Coach Strathman, right. he decided to take a principal job in Uniontown, down there in southeast Kansas, which is, your neck of the woods. Which is down near, his hometown is Girard, and I know his family has some land, I believe it is, uh, near this Union town. So uh, congratulations to him, and best of luck on his new job. Michael do great. He's a people person, and uh, he'll get along just fine down there. But he, he left to go take that job, and so there was a hole in the coaching staff. And I can remember asking Coach Strathman to, at the very beginning of this process and thinking, well, who are you going to bring in? And I think he might have been a little worried because this isn't your normal basketball program where you just go grab the gym coach and say, all right, step in there and, yeah. and coach the freshman team. All right, we got the JV program. Go coach them. That's not really how things work here. No. And so this was an important hire. This was an important decision to see what would happen next. And in terms of grading hires... I think this is an A++. I do, too. I do, too. As Coach Strathman was able to bring in former Bullpup great, two-time Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Kansas, Caitlin Lecker. So now, 
the Bullpup Girls Basketball Program has not one, but two former college head coaches on their staff. That is remarkable. And you got to cover Caitlin for her entire career. I obviously was not around, but what a great hire and somebody that I think bleeds Bullpup Red. Well, you're absolutely right. I know a lot of people are saying, well, just because you know she was a great player, does that make she'll be a great coach? Well, if you watched Kate and Lecker play basketball in her career, she was like a coach on the floor. I mean, she knew, you know, she her basketball IQ and acumen was absolutely off the chart. And as I was watching her throughout her career, I always said she's going to make a great coach for somebody someday. Uh, you know, she's got the personality. Uh, she's going to be great for the post, you know, for like Andrea Sweat and Cassie Cooks on the inside. She will help them with their post moves. She'll be fantastic on that. Uh, you know, she's younger. She can relate to the girls, you know, really well. And I just think this is an absolute, like I think I said on my uh, promo, a home run hire. There's no doubt. Girls basketball can always be a little touchy in terms of how many women you have on the staff. And, and I, I think all coaches could relate to it, and they say, yeah, we got to have one. It's nice to have somebody instead of just some old man talking to the high school girls and saying, okay, how can we relate? If you had three Steve Sells on the staff and you were going to go coach the girls basketball team, I don't know if you could relate to them very well. Well, is that is that a fair? They'd assessment? think I was an old fogey for one thing. I think they would certainly think you're an old fogey, mainly for saying the word fogey. Yeah, but it's great to have these women that can be role models and can communicate a little differently. And every time I've always talked with guy coaches who coach women, there is a different relationship with it than it is with a guy coach with a guy's team. There is a different relationship to it, and there is a different way of coaching. And I think every coach would tell you that same thing. And I think to have two women's coaches on this staff that are the way they are and, and the great players that they were and the experience that they have, like Coach Prescott and Coach Lecker now, I think those are about the two perfect fits well, for this program. And remember, Caitlin played four years at Oklahoma State. Under Jim Littell. They're not bad. Who, Yeah, who used to be at Seward County and Friends University. And, you know, we used to run into him at, well, I did, at KCAC Media Day. Jim Littell, great guy, great coach. He recruited the pros girls. I, I think Hillary Raleigh, I think maybe she played out at uh, Seward County. I know that, uh, you know, that was a good pipe. Little River is a good pipeline uh, for Seward when Jim Littell was the coach out there. And then Caitlin coached for a couple years at St. Mary and, you know, gained some valuable experience. So, I mean, she knows a lot about the game. I think she'll relate great to these girls. I, I just I, I don't see how there can be any negatives whatsoever about this hiring. This is this is a this is a ten from the Russian judge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Russian judge would give a ten. And I, I mean I just think this is just a fantastic hire. I think we're just fortunate to get her, you know, she's the USD, you know, she found a job in the school system and you know you think Coach Doyle might even hit her up because she was an incredible volleyball player as well. And if Coach Doyle ever, you know, needs an extra hand, wouldn't be surprised. She needs somebody to practice. You know, you know, Caitlin was a tremendous hitter and blocker when she played volleyball. I mean, she I bet she could still go out there and, and, and block and hit as well as any high school girl. And Steve, one thing I think that you have learned with covering these McPherson basketball programs, boys or girls side, is how important 
the assistant coaches are for these oh, teams. Tremendously. And, and, and we run into some programs where, let's face it, the assistant coach is just somebody who's there with the clipboard and they don't give a lot of input, whether it's them not really being that great of a coach or whether it's the head coach is doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and there are different jobs, and, and these jobs are structured different in different places. But what you have seen with the McPherson High coaches, whether it was any of the coaches on Coach Strathman's staff, whether it is Coach Kinneman's current staff with guys like Treg Fall, Brant Bussey, Dustin Knitz, they have a huge role. And guys like Gordon Peck, who yeah. spent 30 years with the program, right? they are so important in terms of scouting, and what we've seen from Coach Strathman and Coach Kinneman, too, is they give these coaches a voice. Yeah. They are not sitting there with a clipboard being silent. And, they and, give them a voice. And and, and a shout-out to Coach Reed, because when you look back at what Coach Reed did, how many games in a row did they win? Like, what it was 90-something, I It was I like thought. 90 or 91, something like that. It was up Little River-like numbers. And uh, Coach Strathman himself, I believe Coach Strathman, when he was JV coach, I think he had a stretch where he won like 69 in a row. So the McPherson High girls JV program the last 25 years, I'm not sure they even have – they may not even have 25 losses in 25 years. And let's also remember how important the JV program is. Oh, it's huge. For McPherson High, especially on the girls' side, because sort of their philosophy within the program is if you're not a varsity starter, then we would like to get you as many minutes as you can, right. as much repetition as you can. And it's a, it's a team where – it's so important for building fundamentals and learning offense and, for one, gaining confidence. Right. How much fun is it to go out there and be able to score at will and be able to translate that into the varsity game? And I think the JV program here is so important. The freshman program is so important. But these assistant coaches, I think in terms of a high school girls basketball coaching staff, on the boys' side I think it's different that you will end up getting some guys that have had some serious experience mm -hmm. before, end up back at the high school level. But on the girls' side, I don't think that we see it and, quite as much. And we haven't. And that's why this is such yeah, a knockout Yeah, and we haven't mentioned higher. Coach Ellett, all the work Coach Ellett does with Coach Strathman, Coach Prescott. Coach Ellett is one of the guys that he really breaks down the opposing team. When they get ready for the state tournament, he's kind of the guy that really does the breakdown. He coaches the uh, freshman team and – you know, he's done a great job. You know, Coach Reith, Coach Prescott, Coach Ellett, they were all together a long time with Coach Stradman. So uh, this this just doesn't happen very often. And so people are saying, well, why are you making such a big deal out of an assistant coach? Well, it's because it just doesn't happen very often at McPherson High. It is a very stable coaching staff. And you look at the boys. Look at the last, since 19, what, 37? You've had Jack Randall coach 19 years. The late, great Jay Frazier out on I-40. I thought you were going to say whoever it was that was the in-between. Well, well, I didn't mention Harold Johnston. He was right. there one year. But Jay Frazier, 26 years. Mike Henson, 12 years. Coach Kinneman is starting 25. 25 this year. So not a lot of coaches since 1937. And you look at the winning percentage for the McPherson High boys. Their home percentage, I think since 1936 and 37, their home court winning percentage is like in the high 80s. Not bad. Not bad. How about the home record combined for these two teams Oof. inside the roundhouse? Oh. You want to take a guess at what it is? You probably have the numbers. I've got it right in front of okay. me. Okay. Combined, they have had 27 undefeated seasons okay. inside the roundhouse, which okay. opened in 
either 1963 or the 62-63 season. 63-64 season. So right in there somewhere. So they've had 27 undefeated seasons and a combined record of 1,001 and 186. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Not bad. For two teams. And I've probably seen a lot of those games. You've seen a lot of those, Steve. (laughs) All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we hinted at it a little bit yesterday but didn't quite get to dive into it yet. And that is the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, who are World Cup champions. Steve was singing God Bless America uh, and I, I America don't the Beautiful. I don't sing. He was well, humming. Well, I don't hardly hum. <laughs> we'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, the Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We're back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. Steve Sell yesterday at the end of the show was demanding that we talk about the U.S. Women's National Team. I wasn't demanding. Well, I think you you were making a point. I was just, yeah, I was just kind of saying, you know, it was something exciting that happened on Sunday. So, uh, but uh, it's interesting. The only soccer I really like to watch is Coach Adrian's teams. The bullpup soccer team. Bullpup soccer. Other than that, I don't watch any soccer. But I found myself, I watched the last, the semifinals and the finals because it's kind of like the NBA for me until you get down to the nitty-gritty. I really don't want to waste three hours of my day. Well, the good thing about soccer is it's just two hours. Yeah. But uh, the game, the game, actually their semifinal game, to me, was much more difficult. Let's put it this way, Steve, quickly. Would you rather watch an episode of The Bachelorette or would you rather watch France against Sweden women's soccer? I would just as soon go out of the room. <laughs> because I don't you care. Watch either I don't them. care about France and Sweden playing. But uh, and I really don't care about the bachelor or whatever it's called bachelorette, whatever it's called. But it was exciting and the United States clearly was the dominant team. I mean, there was no question they had the more talent. And I didn't watch the men's soccer game, but I watched the women's. That was just the gold cup. Yeah. Which is a very very small version. Now let me of ask you this: I, you 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 follow stuff a lot. I am. Closer. I'm a soccer guy. You're a soccer guy. Now, do these women play for teams? Do they, is there a league that these women play on? In? Yes. So here's the big here's the big rub: Do people watch the women's soccer team when they're not playing for the U.S.? It's it's been interesting here with the last couple of years. The league that the women play in is called the NWSL. Okay which is National Women's Soccer League, I think is what it is. Probably. And they've got several teams around the country. Kansas City did have one team at a point, but I don't believe they have one anymore. Okay. And for the most part, the women that are on the national team all play for one of these teams. I know there's okay. a big one in Portland that okay. a lot of these teams play for. Steve's friend, Alex Morgan, she plays for the Orlando Pride. Good for her. I've seen an Orlando Pride game when I was living in Orlando. Okay. So, yes, it's very similar to the men's side where they have teams that they play for. And I think think that's the the, the big question is, 
I, and this is what's hard for women's soccer. Do there are there any kind of crowds when they play in this league? But then when they play for the country, red, white, and blue, you know, you know everybody's gung ho. But when they don't play for the red, white, and blue, it's like no one pays attention to them. And that's been kind of the push from a lot of these women the last couple of weeks is saying, hey, I know that you get excited about the national team and it's a big stage and and we're very good together, but. Let's translate this into following the women's game more. Right. When it's not playing for their country, and when, I'll be when honest, it's playing in these leagues. I'll be honest. I'm one of those that only watches when they play for the USA. I'm sorry. And that's just, the way a lot of people are. I just don't. I just you know I've got other things you know that take my time. And golf. Golf. Yes. But the two things that I wanted to address today, one of them is the equal pay movement right. that this women's team has been on. And I wanted to clarify two things first. Number one, the women are not suing FIFA. They're not suing the World Cup. They are suing U.S. Soccer Federation. Okay. They are suing their own employer. It would be like if you and I sued our bosses while we're still working here Mm -hmm. and said we deserve to make more money. And they are, I mean, this is in Supreme Courts Mm -hmm. talking about this. And one of the numbers that's been floating around and that a lot of people are, are trying to justify that the women are actually making more comes from the World Cup, where the women make a higher percentage of the total revenue earned from the World Cup than the men do. The problem is the Women's World Cup generates about $131 million, while the Men's World Cup generates like $6 billion. And so e- just, even if the percentage is, is and, less and, and for the men, just, they make way more. That just amazes me that there's that much money. I, I'm just flabbergasted. The, the thing you have to remember, too, Steve, is that especially on the men's side, it is a worldwide sport. Oh, we're, we're in the minority. On the men's side. On the men's side, yeah. Where you think about all the money that Europe has to spend and all the, just the European countries, like Heineken. Heineken is a huge sponsor oh, the sal- of European soccer. the salaries soccer. of some of these men's players are just out like Messi. Lionel. Lionel Messi. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. But we have to remember that it is a much more worldwide game on the men's side, while the women's side is very American-dominated. Yeah. So those are two things I wanted you to remember here. Now, part of the reason that the women are suing is that the money is structured very strange with U.S. soccer. And it's really hard to clarify how much the women's team makes versus how much the men's team make because they play different games. Not, I mean, they play the same game, but they play a different amount of games, and the bonuses are structured a little bit differently. And another thing that's weird about it, too, is that the men's team has a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement, mm-hmm. and the women's team has a different one. Okay. So it's essentially like they're in two different unions. Well, the thing about a men's the, union the thing and a about the men's union. game, it's like there's soccer every day of the year. I mean, there's like 5,000 leagues, it seems like. Well, this is just on the women's side. The equal pay thing is just on the okay. women's side right. here in America. And what they are trying to prove is, and they're, they're taking it to court, is saying, look, this men's team, they make more money than us even though they are ranked about 50th in the world right now, while we are the number one team in the world and have been butt kickers for the last eight years Mm -hmm. and have destroyed every team in their path and are making less money per game, less money per bonuses, 
And they're trying to find a way to make this right. And I've seen some people come out and say, Oh, well, they don't deserve equal pay. They deserve more pay. Oh, they don't deserve more pay. They deserve equal pay. Oh, it's the women's game where they don't make as much money in advertising. Let's keep them at the same place they are. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't either. And, and I haven't been able to have all of the numbers in front of me and be able to hear both sides and, and hear and say, here is the number that it needs to be. But it does seem strange that these two teams that play the same sport and represent the same country and are owned by the same place don't make the same amount of money. I think we need to get my girl Alex Morgan on the show. I don't know if she does appearances in McPherson. I think she could be a friend of the show. Steve, you're not giving me a, an opinion here. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to dive into this equal pay movement, and, and you're staying silent talking about they should get Alex equal, Morgan. They should get equal pay. I, and, and that's where this argument is. But you also have people on the other end of it too, Steve, that it, 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 this, this World Cup is very polarizing for people. Yes. And, and that they are saying, okay, well, the women's game, it just doesn't generate as much money. There's not as much advertising. There aren't as many tickets that are sold. But one thing that we have started to see is that the advertising that is brought in for the women's team and the men's team in U.S. soccer alone right now is about the same, if not a little bit more, for the women. Worldwide, and it's I, still the men and by I a lot. Think but in a, the U.S., think women are taking the lead. There's enough money to go around for everybody. Try living on our salaries. Just, you know, let them try living on us. Did you know that Nike's jersey sales... For the U.S. women's national team's jerseys this cycle, they sold more jerseys than any other Nike soccer jersey in the history of the company. I thought you were going to say they sold more than LeBron or something like that. I would imagine LeBron has sold several jerseys, but in terms of a single soccer jersey, this U.S. women's national team has sold more for the 2019 World Cup than any other soccer team, any other soccer jersey that Nike has ever had. Speaking of advertising, LeBron's going to be wearing number six. Can you imagine another wave of everyone's going to go buy LeBron number six jerseys? Got to get some new that's, merch. That's pretty smart on LeBron's part. If you he's ask he's me. not a dumb man. He is No, no, he's not. But Steve, you wanted to talk about the U.S. women's national team and the equal pay and all of that has been going on. And I think there is a very clear case that when it comes to the United States and this deal that they are suing them over to try and be paid equally, if not deserving more money, it's very clear that they deserve to be making the same amount per game, the same amount in bonuses, the same amount for everything. Now, when it comes to the World Cup and some of that, and, and when they go off and play for their individual teams, it is hard for me to say Cristiano Ronaldo and Alex Morgan deserve to make the same thing. It's not deserving but it just cannot happen yeah. because when you play for Real Madrid and that team makes billions and billions and billions of dollars in an 80,000-seat stadium versus the Orlando Pride, who might bring in 5,000 on a good night, yeah. it, you just can't, the math that's, doesn't work. That's right. That's the thing. So that's part of it. But hopefully we can find a way to get these, this worked out and that the women get what they deserve. I want money. my girl Alex to get paid. I do too. All right. All right, Steve, we'll take one more break. I've got one piece of audio to share with you. You're listening to According to Jim 96.7 FM KBBE. 
You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. Steve, did you see who was on Jimmy Kimmel last night? I did not see who was on Jimmy Kimmel. Well, it was none other than QB1. Who? QB1. Tom Quarter- Brady? Quarterback number one. Tom Brady? How about Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Oh, okay. Patrick Mahomes, okay. Patrick Mahomes was on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Good. And there was a fan in the front row that has a champ stamp. Do you have an idea of what that might be? I don't know what that is. Do you know what a... I don't want to say the other word, but it rhymes with champ and then resembles a tattoo. Okay. I don't know if that's an FCC compliant word. I don't know. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It starts with a T and rhymes with champ. Yeah. Well, this fan has a champ stamp Okay. with a picture of Patrick Mahomes as a tattoo on his lower back. Okay. Why? Because he loves Patrick Mahomes. All right. Do you know what Patrick Mahomes did with that tattoo last night? I don't know. He signed it. Wow. On national TV. Wow. What kind of tattoo do you think you could get as a champ stamp? I wouldn't wear it. I don't do tattoos. Well, what what would you want to put on there? Let's say if you, if you did. Barbed wire. I like those barbed wire. No, I want a person, an athlete. Uh, oh, I don't. I you really respect. Who would be your champ stamp? Who is my favorite athlete? Is that what you're kind of saying? Who would who, who would you put on your back, lower back? I don't. I Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer would be a, a great. I was champ a big stamp. Arnold Palmer. Fan. That would be a great one. The king. I had the audio, but it's way too long time today. I think maybe I could just get a big pig, a big Razorback woo as my suit. champ stamp. Yeah, woo pig suit. Maybe Darren McFadden. Oh, you no. think Darren McFadden would be what a good a, one? What a what a waste of talent. That guy never had. Born one good year in the NFL. Woo pig. Yeah. He's my guy. Yeah. So your champ stamp would be Arnold Palmer. Arnie, the king. I'll show you a picture of it. Okay. But I don't think you'd go on Jimmy Kimmel and let Arnold Palmer sign it, although he can't anymore. No. But I don't think you'd do that. No. All right, Steve. We enjoyed it today. Okay. I hope you have a great day. It should be lovely. I hope you're feeling better. I <laughs> Well, we'll see. I hope so, too. Wrapping up today's show for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.